Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're passionate about planting, starting a church in Kelowna, um, a church for people who maybe might be like burned out on religion and tired of the religiosity of faith, people who just want more of Jesus. So we just desperately want to make Jesus known in Kelowna, that that's what we're about, that we're passionate about Jesus. I know for us, the last 14 weeks, we've been talking about this book, First Peter, that we think, I believe, that this is a book that actually helps us um, understand how how suffering can actually make us stronger, how actually in our weakness we can actually truly be strong. That we're actually preaching through verse by verse because we believe, I believe that the Bible has authority for our lives to instruct us and teach us how we should live. I don't know about you, but this summer has been remarkable. That I think for, for me that the pandemic has been overwhelming at most points. Um, fear, how do we actually plant and start a church in Kelowna digitally? Um, how do we build community groups? How do we build community where we, for a long period of time, couldn't actually physically meet um, in a spot that we actually do it over Zoom, but now we're um, able to meet in people's backyards, um, in their homes. But I know for me, Kelowna um, in the summertime is a very kind of an incredible, magical place. When you're spending time at the beach with your family, with my family at Gyro or um, Strathcona, like there's an amazing aspect of the summer in the Okanagan and Kelowna. I think sometimes in Kelowna, there's a philosophy that kind of creeps up on us. It's this philosophy, this idea that, that we actually need to be happy people, that, that happiness is something that kind of defines our lives, that drives our lives, that drives the things that, that we kind of ultimately are looking for in our life is happy to be the happiest version of ourselves. I was watching this musical called Hamilton on Disney+, and uh, there's this famous line from Thomas Jefferson, which I always knew was there, but seen in a whole different way where people are rapping out, um, essentially, the, the Declaration of Independence. And here's what this line from Hamilton said about Thomas Jefferson. It says, Your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We fought for these ideals, we shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words. Enterprising men quote them. You see, somewhere from, from there to here, we have been fixated on happiness, about living the American dream. But even for us not being in the United States, that Canada still has this, this fixation on being happy. You know, this, this declaration, this life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which Thomas Jefferson listed as among the unalienable rights God gave to people. See, most often in our society, these, they call them Jeffersonian ideals, really means primarily chasing after objects of self-gratification, such as money, houses, cars, vacations, fine clothes, gourmet food, the best seats at sporting arenas, entertainment events, health and fitness, and so on. You see, that's where the American dream came to be. But here's a question for us. What defines your happiness? What defines my happiness? There's another famous author 
named Ernest Hemingway, and he actually wrote very significant literary works, um, such as The Sun Also Rises and A Farewell to Arms and The Old Man in the Sea. And Hemingway also became notorious for his like, larger-than-life lifestyle. You know, he actually pursued the good life with a vengeance. He pursued happiness with a vengeance. His literary talent brought him fame and prestige, money, which allowed him to seek pleasures of, of hunting all over the world, of um, fishing expeditions, celebrity parties, gatherings, heavy drinking. You see, Hemingway had every satisfaction you could have. But ultimately, he ended his life one day in 1961 when he inflicted himself with a fatal gun blast to the head. You see, what happens for us when we're pursuing happiness, when we're pursuing a blessed life, and your life doesn't look so blessed anymore? When the happiness fades away, when you get exactly what you wanted, and it doesn't make you as happy as you thought it would. See, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, when things don't go to plan, what happens when you think you're living a blessed life but actually becomes a struggle? See, Peter's writing this letter, First Peter, to Christians who are struggling, who are suffering, who are being persecuted for their faith. They were a minority group in the Roman Empire, which was escalating pressure. The Roman Empire was the number one superpower in that time. It was caught in self-destructing, infighting, division, selfishness, conflict. See, what Peter wants people to know is that living your life for Jesus doesn't start in the next life. It starts right now. Being happy doesn't start one day when you find your identity in whatever it is. It's fleeting. It starts right now with Jesus. See, what you really believe gets lived out every single day of your life. And what you believe about Jesus, whether you believe he is someone who literally existed or some crazy lunatic, gets lived out every single day. And what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 12 is all about how you belong. What I want you to understand today is that your blessing comes from your belonging. What he's saying here is that whatever you belong to, that's what's going to actually steer and direct your life. That if you belong to Jesus now, you follow him. If you're saying, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, I want to put my, my faith and trust in him to direct me. That you're a foreigner and you're a stranger in this world. That you're no longer your own. That every other ideology says that to have a blessed life means you have to actually have more things in your life. But Peter here is saying is that your blessing comes from your belonging to Jesus. Peter is saying that your blessing flows out of your belonging. So you and I need to start believing that we belong to Christ. This passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 12, open your Bibles, this is what it says here. It says, Finally, all of you. So finally, wives and husbands, followers, slaves, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insulting or insult for insult, 
But on the contrary, give a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing for the one who wants to love life and to see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from the evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who, who do what is evil. You see, there's kind of these five principles that Peter's talking about about how to live a blessed life if you really belong to Jesus. If your life is found and you're belonging to Jesus, you actually live that out every single day. And what he's trying to say here is the first thing is you live out this like-mindedness. It kind of moves back to, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says here, Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you want to think about what are we going to be unified on, it's that. It's being unified around the fact that Jesus Christ is literally who he said he was and he rose from the dead. Like that should unify churches. You see, there's often in churches primary issues and secondary issues. See, primary issues are are things that have actually divided and split churches over the course of history. In some cases, should actually be divisive issues because some of these things don't need to be debated and critiqued. Some of these beliefs are actually central to our faith in Christ. Doctrines like the, the Trinity or the resurrection. These are primary issues. But secondary issues are, are things you can debate over that, that wouldn't actually divide us. That maybe you and I, if we sat down for a cup of coffee, we, had, we would disagree on some of these secondary issues, but we could still be, still be the same church, but just disagree a little bit over, the, over these issues. This one theologian I was reading this past week said that there's no two people in a church that would agree on every single theological issue. And that's why for us, that we want to make the primary thing the primary thing. At Live Free Church, we want to make Jesus known. That's all about his life, his death, his resurrection, and that is it. See, I think a lot of times churches get so nuanced, they get so focused on these little, these little issues, these secondary issues that they make the primary issues. See, when you realize what Christ has done for you, and every day you get to live your life in light of that, it changes you and I. When you look at the gospel, the fact that you're a sinful, broken person, you deserve so much wrath, but Christ dies and so freely gives you grace, that for us becomes a non-negotiable. But a lot of times people make these secondary issues the main thing. What Peter here is saying here is be like-minded. But be like-minded about the resurrection of Christ. In the early church, they knew what it was all about. It was all about Jesus. But 2,000 years later, we've made it about these little nuanced issues. Everyone's like, well, what about this? What about that issue? But what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the main thing the main thing always. We want to we make a church that makes Jesus central. He's the primary issue for us. That your faith isn't based on your externals, your morality, or your religiosity, or what you do. It's based on what Christ has done for you. I was watching this this documentary on Netflix called American Jesus. And the whole point is that the church 
in the States has added to the gospel. It's Jesus plus something. Right? But I think for us, we want to make sure that, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything for us. That we're not adding to this equation. See, they've added to Jesus' message. I think for us in Kelowna, when you talk about, about Jesus, a lot of us, when we look at how can we live a better life or how can we live a you know, better life than the next person, we subconsciously do add to Jesus. Like Jesus plus family or Jesus plus politics or Jesus plus whatever it is in your life. See, being unified, being like-minded doesn't mean being, having uniformity. It doesn't have being like little clones of me or being clones of David or Levi. It means being like Jesus. See, I think sometimes, unfortunately, when people think about being like-minded, they think that they have no beliefs. But actually, no, it means that you have to understand what the essential thing is in your beliefs. Being a, being a person who's mindful, right? Not mindless. For us, we want to always submit to the Word of God. We believe that's authority for us. So we're trying to preach verse by verse through this passage in First in Peter. See, when your blessing comes from your belonging, you're like-minded, but also the next thing is when you, your blessing comes from your belonging, you're sympathetic. Like we have sympathy for each other. Not just trying to diminish their pain or their voice. You don't need to be insens- insensitive or indifferent or or censorous, like you censor them. But even towards people who don't know Christ, understanding the pain, the struggle, the anxiety that, that comes up with the struggle of life. I think the challenge is so, so often we don't see that struggle so up close and personal. Seeing the struggle of a friend in the United States who lost both of his parents. It's not diminishing their pain. It's not minimizing it. It's having sympathy, empathy for that person. I don't know about you, but how often do you, when you see someone suffer, the first thing you want to do is minimize the pain? Like I know a few years ago, there was a student who, who passed away tragically in our youth ministry, and we came out of this funeral. We're sitting in the lobby, and they were just like feeling the weight of this pain. And someone said, we need to like, Announce what's next because you just feel the weight of the suffering and pain. I was like, no, 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 just wait for a second here. We need to feel the weight of the suffering, of the pain, of the struggle. We need to be sympathetic. We need to have empathy. What Peter's saying here is if you are a follower of Christ, you have sympathy for other people. You come alongside them with empathy to remind them of who Christ is every single day in their life not minimizing it. For me, I struggle with this. I struggle when someone comes up to me and is like crying and emotional and I just want to wash over their pain and be like, it's going to be okay. But that doesn't, that doesn't help them. I don't know if someone's ever come up to you in a disturbed spot and it's like, I'm just, I'm just a disaster and you're like, it's going to be okay. That's not what they need to hear. They need to say, hear that, that you love them, that Christ loves them. They need to be reminded of who Christ is in their life. And that's a lot of times it's your presence. When your blessing comes from your belonging, you show love to one another. In this passage, the first part of this word 
comes from like this verb, um, which means to love, like a brotherly love, phileo. It refers to affection among people who are closely related in some way. You know, what, what Peter's trying to say here is that when you're, when you're changed by Jesus and you find your blessing, your belonging, you're part of a family now. Like, I don't know about you, but if you have a family member and something happens to that family member, like if they struggle in a certain way, what do you do? You show up at all costs. I remember years ago, my wife was really sick and my wife was in the hospital for about 21 days. That's another story for another day. But all she was, she texted her sister and said, come down and help Colby with Beckett. And guess what? My sister-in-law was there within the drive it took to get there. She jumped in the car with little clothes she had and drove down to help us. Like that is what it looks like to love one another. It means showing up, giving meals, providing, looking after them, caring for them. Like caring for people's needs without actually asking. It's our family. Like there might be people around you. What Peter's trying to say here is that if you're marked by love, if you're changed by Jesus, you just show up and you start loving people because they're part of your family. To show love. If you don't know where to start by showing love, just start with your neighborhood. Just start with the people to your left and to your right. The people across the street. Just start with people who actually need an extension of Christ's love. When you find your, your blessing, your belonging, you become compassionate. You see, whether you believe in Jesus or not, we, whether you believe in Jesus or not, we all have struggles. Peter here is saying here is that you need to have compassion for people inside the walls of church, but also outside the walls of the church. I think a lot of times that we're so compassionate for, for sometimes people outside the walls of the church, but if people struggle with sin and brokenness inside the church, it's like, how could they? How dare they? I can't believe them. Like what Peter's trying to say here is you need to be compassionate to people because Christ was compassionate to you. In Luke 7, verse 40, Jesus has this crazy interaction with people. He says here to this religious leader, he says here, he replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, he said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since he could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will he love more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You see, what Peter's trying to talk about here is that when you understand the weight of your sin, the depth of your sin, and it's been freely forgiven, it makes you so much, so compassionate. You have compassion for people, whether they're on the streets on Leon Avenue or whether they're in your neighborhood and they're like partying until two in the morning. Like you have compassion on people because you see them through the eyes of Christ. Because when Christ looks at you and I, he sees the depth of my sin and brokenness over Colby's sin and brokenness, and he forgave me anyways. It makes me be so much more compassionate to people around me. The last thing in the five kind of traits of living a blessed life is to be humble. 
I think this is kind of one of the, the chief things of when Christ talks about being meek. Like we think about the opposite of pride is, it's humility. C.S. Lewis so famously states, pride isn't wanting more of something else. It's wanting more of something else than the next person. If you want to see humility displayed, it's Jesus. It's his life in exchange for ours. See, this is so countercultural, I think, to our society where our culture says, actually, no, what can you bring into my life? What can you give me? What can I take from you? It's not about getting the most. It's actually about understanding that Christ, when he came into this life, asked, just as we talked about last week, how to serve, not to be served. Peter is saying that when you follow Jesus, you should look at your, your relationships and look at not what you can get, but how can you serve? How can you humbly be like Jesus? Not when you walk into a room and see people up, because you do it all the time. Like, who is this person? Am I going to fit in here? Am I going to like these people? You come into a space, you say, how can I actually bring Christ's love into this space? How can I actually love people radically in this space? You know, when you want to think about what you believe, when Peter moves from those five pieces of these, these pillars of, of a life that's blessed, that's found in its belonging, he kind of moves into this life that's lived out. Because you can actually tell what you really believe when it's lived out every single day. Because you actually, you and I live these things out every single day in our life. But if you want to know what you believe in, when you struggle or when you suffer, when you go through hardships, that's when you know deep down what your life is built on. If you believe truly that the foundation of your life is Christ or not. See, in verse 10 to 12, it's all about kind of contrasting the world's views versus Peter's Christ views of how disciples should actually live their lives. It says here, for the one who wants to love life and to see good days. If you want to love life and see good days, what do they say here? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because of the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to, the, to hear their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. You see, it really matters what we believe because it gets lived out every single day in, in my life and in your life. It's how you bring peace. It's how you think about good days. It's how you speak about people about bosses, about your wife, your husband, your coworkers, your neighbors, your children. Like what you think it means to follow Christ gets lived out every single day in your life. And what it says here is that, that God wants to hear your prayers every single day. That if you're pursuing Him, turn away from evil and pursue Jesus. These five kind of principles of a, of a blessed life lived out in their belonging get lived out every single day. I would hope that we'd be a church that lives out all these things, not because we're perfect, amazing people, because Christ displayed them in his whole life. When you read through the Gospels, he displays them. Like, how are you looking for happiness? How are you looking for a blessing in your life? 
Is it a better car or a bigger house? Like, those could be great things, but they can't be the ultimate things. Coming back to Hemingway, he had all the things. Think about King Solomon, he had all the wealth in the world, but he was so deeply unhappy, like it's all just blowing away like the wind. Hemingway had everything, and yet he had nothing. See, I want to know is how today can you find your blessing in your belonging? How can you be unified in Christ? How can you be sympathetic to people? Because Christ is sympathetic to your crazy emotional needs. When I read through Psalms, like I can empathize with the Psalms because guess what? They're up and down everywhere because that's my life. If you come talk to me and say, how am I really doing? If that was in March, it was crazy terrible. But right now, it's actually, you know, it's been remarkable to see the team that we have. But having sympathy for people and their struggle and their suffering. How can you be loving like a brother or sister like a relative? How can you be compassionate? How can you be humble? See, these are five marks of a life, of a blessed life found when it belongs, when it belongs to Christ. So you can be all those things ultimately, not because you're just trying more hard to be them, but you can be all, them ultimately because Jesus was all those things for you. Jesus was all those things for you and for I. This isn't something you manufacture. Your life is ultimately a blessing when you find yourself in your belonging to Jesus. When your life is in His. When your identity is found in Jesus. Let's be a church in Kelowna that defines ourselves not on what we do or we want to become, but on who Christ is forming us to be. Let's be a church that finds ourselves in our belonging to Jesus. I'd love to pray for you because I think sometimes we find our belonging in anything but Jesus. Things that, that are fleeting away. I want to pray for us because you might be in a spot where you're just struggling through life. And you can finally tr- find your blessing, your happiness in your belonging to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you are a good father. And we are your children. And that we want to find ultimately our lives in you and you alone. So often we make our life about other things. About our house, about our cars, or our family, or status, or money, or power. Lord, but those things can never truly satisfy us like you can. So help us to find our belonging in you. Will we be compassionate people, sympathetic people, humble people, people full of love, unified in one spirit around you, Jesus? Thank you for how you're moving people, how you're bringing people to this church, to be part of this community for this moment in this season. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.